0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: I don't care about the trades. I don't care about the coach that was fired. I don't care about the Red Wings losing over and over again. All I've been able to think about for the last 24 hours is Alexi Lafreniere's seven-point game. And I told myself, I wouldn't do this like we did with Hughes, like we did with Darlene, where, we're, where it was first overall or bust. We're going to examine the top four of the top five thoroughly so we're comfortable no matter where the Red Wings draft. He has 99 points in 44 games. <laughs> he had seven points before what the end of the second period was it yes i'm not even sure they played him in the third it was like when an nfl team rests the quarterback in the fourth quarter
0: for safety reasons when they're up by 30 it's when like uh, wayne gretzky played minor hockey and they stopped him after his 13th point of the game or something like that (laughs) he scored like 130 goals in 30 peewee games yeah um lafrenier might do that if he goes back to the queue next year you know, I was forced to watch the Red Wings Pittsburgh game, and, and I'll get into that in a minute, but I was forced to watch the game. And after finishing it mercifully, all I could think was I know for a certainty that there are a ton of players in this top 10 that the Red Wings could pick from and have it be a good pick that could reasonably be a franchise player or their future best player on the team. And it still feels like Lafreniere bust. It still feels like if they don't win the draft lottery, I'm going to have to do some Steve Dangle LFR after a devastating loss to the Sabres de-stress.
1: I would do a video if the Red Wings lost a draft lottery, but is there anybody out there who truly wants to watch 12 minutes of me just screaming and ugly crying? That is what our uh, live stream will be. We should On the contrary, on the counter though, if they win it, does anybody anybody just want to see
0: or watch me happy cry for 12 minutes? I was gonna say it's still gonna be 12 minutes of screaming and ugly crying. Yeah. <laughs> um, the context will be the only difference. Wildly different. It's fun. I think you know, I, I wanna give us some props here because I think we've done a good job of of landing in a spot where we're objective, but we're not kidding ourselves when we talk about like the emotional impact of these things. And I like that because I don't know that we could have come on the other side of this where we have to remain completely neutral. And we just have to say, you know, Lafreniere goes to the wings or wings win the first overall. Like, mind you, if we're being paid by a team or a media outlet, then it's a whole different story. But I'm very glad we get our 12 minutes of ugly crying. Our live, I am very excited for our live stream. Uh, we haven't done. Like I'm a, not. But that's good. that's perfect that's the best content for them sometimes when we say why do we have to do this why are we doing this because they they enjoy our pain brad this valid point welcome to the winged wheel podcast i'm ryan hannah i'm not ugly crying yet uh and in place of evan today we have uh, bobblehead ken and mick um again uh evan is gone for good reason so do not berate him today though he's working on a holiday that doesn't that's not a good excuse yeah why is he Working on a holiday. I don't know. I hope he's making double time.
1: I work at a place that
0: never closes, and we're closed today. <laughs> he's, uh, I feel like double time for Evan, though, would be like 600 grand a year, or just about. Yeah. He's got to be a millionaire, right? We just don't know it. Yeah. Uh, lots to talk about on this Winged Wheel podcast. The trade market is heating up. Uh, we're going to talk prospects. We're going to talk Red Wings. Uh, some wild stuff is happening around the league. Uh, yeah, the hockey world is buzzing right now. Yes, and I can't make sense of it. Do we want to do more prospects now, or do we want to just open? Let's open with the trademark. No, we'll we'll go back into prospects later. All right. Um, The trade market was, uh, you know, it started up with Toronto acquiring Jack Campbell, and we've already talked about that. And yeah, that was an impactful move if you consider the context, which is that Toronto is an insanely talented team that's at risk of missing the playoffs. But in the end, it was a trade for a backup goaltender. Uh, The big trade. Was Pittsburgh shooting their shot and acquiring Jason Zucker from Minnesota? And this was, I think, the fourth or fifth time he's been traded without actually being traded uh, in exchange for Galchenyuk, Addison, and a for conditional first round pick. Did we already talk about this? Yes, we did. That's right. That's right. We did talk about this. That's when I got into my side tangent about Galchenyuk being a low key good free agent for Detroit to target this summer. Um, and just while we're here, and I know I said this about Rutherford, but you know what, man? Good for you. You shot your shot. And he's going to continue shooting his shot. And as much as we've ripped on his asset management and everything, he's won two cups. Pittsburgh's won three cups with this uh, era of the team, and he's going for making it four.
1: He uh, We rip on his asset management because it's been very poor in one stance. But in another stance, his asset management... Has been immaculate because his two biggest assets, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, he still possesses. He still possesses. So So as long as he holds on to those two assets, they're a cup contender.
0: If Pittsburgh is uh, not going to win again for 30 years after uh, Malkin and Crosby leave, that's fine because they already have three cups, which is 93 years worth of uh, cup wins if you level it out evenly, like one cup per team. So... Really, Rutherford? Yeah, sure. Maybe he pays too high of a price for guys like Reeves or whatever. But at the same time, he doesn't let his team uh, act or play like a middling team. He knows if they have the talent, he pushes them over the edge every time and gives them a chance. So kudos to him. It, that takes a spine. That takes some big brass ones. So he's gonna shoot a shot. The big trade that really made us all think. Whoa! This trade market is wild with this pricing right now. Is Blake Coleman, who's a good player, he's over twenty goals this year already. Uh, traded from New Jersey to Tampa Bay, so Tampa Bay does his usual acquisition of a very good talent, and he's cost controlled. He has an, two more years at one point eight million, I believe, uh, in exchange for Nolan Foot and a conditional first round pick that belongs to Vancouver. Um, so a higher first round pick than Tampa Bay's own pick will be. And if the if Vancouver doesn't make make the playoffs this year, which they will. Probably, I think. I can't remember. Uh, That division, I'm not making any predictions. Um, It gets transferred to next year instead, but still. Um, Look, I think Blake Coleman's a very underrated asset. I think people don't really know how good he is, but wow, that's a high price to pay for him. Blake Coleman's
1: a very good, very useful player at a very good cap hit. Nolan Foote is a prospect who, if he pans out as he should, which right now it looks more likely than he more likely than not that he will is a power play specialist who's capable at five on five so basically think michael rasmussen but a shooter instead of a net front guy which is probably more valuable honestly and a first round pick that should probably be falling somewhere between picks 15 and 22 in theory those assets should both pan out to be better than Blake Coleman. You would hope Nolan Foote scores more than a Coleman will. You should hope that he's a more well-rounded player than a Coleman will be because Coleman's one of those bottom six guys who's just having a really, really good year. And a mid-first-round pick should turn into a usable middle six forward, again, who should score 20-ish goals. So even if neither of those assets completely adds up to a Blake Coleman, Uh, by themselves combined they it would take some seriously bad luck to not be more valuable now again tampa's in it to win it now and he is cost controlled and he has a good cap hit which is going to be very valuable for tampa bay because they're going to be up against it again this summer but man i have a hard time believing you couldn't
0: negotiate down from what they did coleman just he's at his second consecutive 20 goal season uh great i'm looking at his um hockey viz visualizations great on ice impact um you know not a high producer his career high in points he's he's been in the league four years including this one and his career high is last year at 36 he's due to pass that but still i mean good for them like you're you're not trading for guys that are going to beat out your your stamkoses and your kucherovs and your headman's like he's not going to take that role on the team but if he's your depth that's the kind of thing that tampa bay needs so Again, we can't praise... Did Tampa really need anything, though? They haven't won it yet, right? They've had a, a playoff caliber or a Stanley Cup caliber roster for how long now? And they haven't won it yet. So we're, we just praised Rutherford for doing what he's doing with Pittsburgh. How is this not... Um, Tampa Bay's GM. Breezeblah. Julian Blah not doing the exact same thing. It is the exact same thing. And Tampa would have three cups by now if it wasn't for some seriously
1: bad luck with Bishop getting injured in the finals, Stamkos getting injured, Tyler Johnson get at like the worst possible time. They're, for as good as Tampa has been, there might not be a more cursed franchise in the NHL right now than them because in the last six years, I would argue strong, maybe
0: six or seven years, I would argue strongly they should have three cups and they have zero. The thing about luck in hockey is, is it's never going to go away. So you're not wrong, Brad. I, I think you're right yeah. in saying that bad luck is what's caused them to suffer a little bit more. You know, sometimes I think they fell apart with the Columbus series, but bad luck has had a big part to play play in it. But bad luck will always be a part of hockey. Hockey is a game of luck more than any other professional sport. So what do you do? You make yourself so good where if the luck, you know, impacts you at a negative 10 on any given night, you still might win the game. That's what Pittsburgh's trying to do. That's what Toronto, you know, that's their model. Although (laughs) are they, are they really, (laughs) you just got pumped by Buffalo. So, um, it's a high price. I think, I think if you're looking at this in a vacuum and you're putting it on a scale, yeah, it's going to tip one way. Can you fault Tampa Bay? Yeah, maybe, but if it may, brings them to the conference finals or the cup finals or, you know, Coleman scores a couple of game-winning goals, they're not going to care. It's like when we talk about a guy who has a horrendous contract, an eight-year contract, but in the first three years, he gets them a cup or two. They don't give, they don't care at all about the next five years. It doesn't matter how bad that contract is. It doesn't matter how much of an anchor is for the team. Do you think we'd be talking about how terrible Justin Abdelkader or Franz Nielsen's contracts are if they were, you know, miraculously better players and won the Red Wings Cups? No. So these are the kind of trades where you can either work within the margins and and try to wait for the luck to go your way, or you buck up and shoot your shot because no GM is going to give you a player like Coleman for nothing. Or uh, it's Peter Chiarelli, but he's not employed in the NHL right now. (laughs) (laughs) Now that brings us to the point of if the prices are this high and the market's this scarce, what does that mean for the Red Wings and Steve Eisman? Well, who's the most
1: similar player the Red Wings have to a Blake Coleman? Probably Darren Helm.
0: Well, you'd have limited. to you'd
1: have to eat half the cap to get it close, and he doesn't produce as much offense, but they fill a similar role. So could Darren Helm legitimately get a second round pick? I think Which th- is a question that I would have thought asinine three days ago. If you'd have said, Yeah, Darren Helm could get a second pick, I'd have laughed in your face. I still think it's a stretch, but maybe
0: he's playing great hockey right now. Um He's not young, his contract's not great. They would have to retain half hit. Yeah. Half. And that's that fine. Leaves. The Red Wings can do it. But like they oh, can't he, do more than half, but yeah. So they would have to do half. Coleman has 20 goals. Helm has nine, and that's a good year for him. His career high is fifteen, and that was uh five, six years ago. So it's not You're basically with Darren Helm, you're getting all of Blake Coleman in about half the offense. Essentially. I think I still think that's selling Coleman a little short, but I understand the point you're making.
1: Although Nine goals on the current iteration of the Detroit Red Wings is probably worth 15 on any other team, if we're being honest.
0: Now, I I have this question for you. Would you. If you're a team with the talent to be overpaying for assets like this, would you not rather pay for an underperforming Athens CU that you can work into your very talented system and amplify rather than an overperforming Darren Helm? Uh, it depends on the team's
1: needs. Um, I would absolutely rather trade for Athens Cu but because I would absolutely rather trade for an Athenasiou means I would much rather keep an Athenasiou. I'm still, that nothing has changed my mind on the, should we trade or keep Athenasiou? I still think his ultimate, the most value he could yield to the Red Wings is as a Red Wing. Um, that being said though, if someone, if Blake Coleman gets a first and uh Nolan Foote, if you're Edmonton and you're giving us a first and uh, uh Caleb Jones, Evan
0: Bouchard, uh, Tyler Benson. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah! If a first in Evan Bouchard is given up for Athens, CU, I will punch myself in the face on camera. I don't know why that's my reaction, but it's that absurd of a like. I would have told you a first in Nolan Foot
1: for Blake Coleman was just as not just as, but also absurd, and here we are. So,
0: I in fairness, Coleman does play defense, which <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's a forward. No, no, no. Like he plays a defensive game. Oh, He's responsible yeah, 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 defensively. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Athena Sue is not defensively. But
1: Edmonton's a team built on speed. I think honestly, just I think Edmonton would have more interest in Darren Helm. A, because I don't think Holland I think Holland realizes Edmonton's not in a position to contend this year, even though they're uh in a playoff spot, I think, leading the division at the moment, actually. Um so he doesn't want, he, he's probably willing to buy but much like his trades in when he was in Detroit he's looking at the leg ones the air coals. he's not swinging for the fences yet so given that he could probably get Darren Helm reasonably for a third and a fourth I think that would appeal to him more because Edmonton's
0: needs isn't in their top 6 it's in their bottom 6 we're we're a year removed from you putting up 30 points or 30 goals and nearly 60 points so yeah coleman's gonna fetch more value now because of how he's been playing recently but it's not far-fetched for red wings fans to be saying what they've been saying which is if this is what coleman goes for Athens you should be able to catch a, a ransom provided a king's ransom provided a team has the want um with a shallow market, there also comes a shallow amount of suitors often it's not always that there's people clamoring for it so it does beg the question, will Athanasius be sold or is it going to be, like Brad mentioned, someone lower end, lower risk where you don't have to give up so much in terms of assets like Darren Helm? And another point to you is, is Holland's gone on the record to say, like, he wasn't expecting this year to be this good. Um and a lot of that's coming because he has two superstar top five players on the planet on his team. So McDavid goes down and Dry is proving the point as to why he should maybe even win the heart this year. He's at 95 points. It's February. Um, he's play- it's, I think that's a 130-point clip or something. Uh, so that's going to win you games that you weren't expecting to win. But do you still stay the course and try to build a foundation for this team that hasn't had a foundation since, what, Gretzky? Or do you do what Pittsburgh is doing right now? What Tampa Bay is doing right now?
1: I think you have to, everything has to cut. Everything is situational. You look at Edmonton right now, they have a lot of really good prospects right on the cusp of being good. Bouchard should be up full-time next year. Broberg's only a year or two away. Tyler Benson's getting his first look in the NHL. Caleb Jones has looked competent. Kyler Yamamoto has just come up and looking amazing. I think the Oilers are on the precipice of doing something very special for a long time. That's not this year. L- give these guys time to develop and then see how it goes next year with a good chunk of these guys in the lineup that gives Edmonton hopefully that depth that they don't have right now. I think if you're Edmonton, you can sell off picks, um, not your first. Any other pick should be on the table just because the West is wide open this year. Is there any team that you look at and go there unbeatable, especially in the Pacific where they might not play a central division team until the conference finals if they go that far, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they could add depth. I wouldn't give up any premium assets, but if I'm Edmonton and next year starts off the way this year has, that's when I start my Pittsburgh mentality of okay, every year we have our core, we have our Brobergs, our Bouchards, our Bensons, whoever.
0: Everything else can go. It's a little uh it's it's a little reminiscent of like NBA, like you start to load up on superstars. Like we saw this happen with you know D Wade and LeBron and Bosh when that happened, and then everyone kind of caught onto the formula of build around three megastars, and then whatever else happens. It's not the same; they're wildly different yeah. sports. Hockey is a, a team sport. No matter how good you are, um, even Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby can only do so much. But yeah, like you start to reward those guys who are producing. If you have four, five, six guys producing, that's when you start to mortgage futures for it. So. I think you're right. I think you don't do that much this year. But then again, just because we think that's what they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> I'm not saying they shouldn't buy this year. I'm saying they shouldn't be swinging for the fence. Right. Right now, with how
1: close Edmonton is to being good, most second, third, fourth round picks are, generally speaking, two, three, four, five-year projects. They don't care about three, four, five years from now because they should have their core and base established by then. So it's their immediate prospects and their high picks right now that they need to keep everything else can be on the table so again circling back i'm not if i'm edmonton i am not giving up a first round pick for andreas athanasiu and given what tampa paid for coleman to me that is now the market for athanasiu if it's anything less than a first and a foot quality player i don't entertain it i would take a little less i wouldn't and then i'm not paying that if i'm edmonton but if uh conditional second or a third round pick is on the table for a Darren Helm even a fourth yeah I do it in a heartbeat to solidify my bottom six especially for a guy like Ken Holland who's very familiar with Darren Helm his numbers won't pop out you but you know what he's the value he's going to bring outside of that he's one of the best penalty killers in the league he's defensively responsible he's a great four checker he just can't finish he's good at everything in the game of
0: hockey but actually finishing the plays he and glendening like we give babcock and blashel a lot of flack for how much they loved helming glendening but it was for good reason like they're referred to as coaches players for good reason they do every single thing right that a coach wants you to do he wants you to grind hard he wants you to work in the corners he wants you to go to the right spots he wants you to hustle he wants you to you know keep your defensive coverages they just don't have the natural talent required to produce offense no exactly but they i got uh someone made some kind of snide comment to me which is i deserve it almost all the time uh Luke Glendening, I made some kind of comment about Luke Glendening in a positive way and they said, you really think Luke Glendening is a desirable or would be an NHL player on any other team? I went, yeah, Luke Glendening would be a great bottom six player on any team in the NHL. And if you're a team like Toronto that has like an, an insane amount of top end forwards, you'd still be a great fourth line player. And then bam, you have the kind of depth that you need to make a deep playoff run for in terms of your forwards. I'm not saying that every team needs Luke Lendenning, but I'm saying, yeah, he's absolutely an NHL player on every team. I, I don't really, I think this this Red Wings team is bad. And I think the fact that Luke Lendenning and Darren Helm have been used as first and second liners is particularly bad. Like that's a bad sign, but it doesn't mean that they're bad. They're great at their roles. And you know what? They've been, they've more than held their own when they've had to sl- slot into the top six. By no means should that ever happen. If you're ever seeing that, you know that the Red Wings are in a bad spot, but they held their own. They did a lot better than other players have and are continuing to do up there. So uh, the the slander and hate that comes against Helm and Glenn Denning is funny because they've just been so consistently good as bottom six players.
1: It's the age-old argument on the internet or however you want to phrase it. Hate the contract, not the player. Yeah, I love Darren Helm as a player. I would never have given him that contract. That was insane great player glenn denning his cap hits reasonable but i would have never given a fourth line player four year term or whatever it was no you just don't do that yeah yeah so you don't do
0: that which is fine he's and, low impact though like it actually, yeah you don't lose a wink of sleep over the glenn denning deal
1: no, no no you don't but i think people get rattled over the contracts and they can't separate the contract from the player etc so on and so forth and i think that's why they've been views, viewed in such a negative light. And again, same thing when they get bumped into the top six, like you said, the entire fan base groans, us included. That's not their call. The coach puts them there. They, they're not going to say, oh, no, coach, I I shouldn't be on the first line. Can I please go kill penalties again? No, of course, any player. You're going to play with Larkin tonight. Yeah, yeah, coach. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, it's it's circumstance and context and it gets taken out in the wrong things. But let's talk about market. What, because if we want to go hot and heavy on the see CU, what teams have the need, cap space, and or assets for an see CU and arguably the desire? One team comes to head to mind immediately that we haven't mentioned yet. For see CU? Hold on. Let me try to guess this. Want cap space, assets, and they're in a spot in the standings where it makes a ton of
0: sense for them uh philadelphia colorado oh yeah and you know what they just lost cadre long term yeah and they have one of the deepest prospect
1: pools in the league 22 million in cap space and in the west right now i'm
0: they what one of the top three favorites to go to the finals Mm -hmm. at worst they're a team where they're good enough where if they wanted to make a swing like a pittsburgh or a tampa bay swing they'd be justified in doing so they could
1: give up a legitimately they could give up an alex newhook
0: and not even bad an eye. Mm-hmm. Their prospect pool is so strong right now. Um, that, yeah, that was one, especially when Kadri went down long term, I thought, ooh, it, not the same players. Nobody's pretending they're the same player. Like, Kadri's a very effective centerman. Um, but Athena, like, if you want to instill offense into your team and you just lost another good offensive piece, Athena is the kind of like high flying wild card that you just want to throw in there. And Athanasio has team control. Don't forget as well. He his
1: contract expires this year, but he's a restricted free agent. So the team which is re- just as valuable as future contractors. Yeah. So they can negotiate their own contract with him or do whatever they wanted. So he's he's not a rental. Everybody needs to get that price out of their head. That's one of the big reasons Coleman got as much as he did because he is not a rental. Uh, Colorado's first this year and second next year. Would you do it? Uh... I would push harder for a better prospect than the second round pick. I think the first would, given the market, the first goes without saying Mm -hmm. I would push for a pretty good prospect. Obviously you'd start uh, negotiating for like a new hook, knowing it's probably not going to happen. But if you work your way down to um, Shane
0: Bowers or something like that, that's still a good deal. Uh, Speaking of market, let's talk about, players more likely than not to be traded if there are going to be trades uh we always get the question of which red wings are tradable and the answer to that is literally all of them that goes all the way down to heronic larkin and zadina and you might not like that but it's real Um, there's no mcdavid or crosby on this team but the thing is in 0.0001 percent of realities is anyone giving up the price to get larkin or mantha or zadina or heronic so just We'll put those off the table for now.
1: It's not, it's very, very not likely to happen. But if someone calls, Steve is not going to hang up the phone. No. Um, players there, who are, I will say though, there is one untouchable asset in the entire Detroit Red Wings organization right now, and that is their 2020 first round pick. Exactly. Because that could be Alexi Lafreniere. Yep. And they're, might not be a more valuable player to trade for in the entire NHL right now than Alexi Lafreniere
0: giving his age and talent level. <laughs> um, so guys who are I, considering a world where lots of trades happen. So that's this hypothetical we're living in right now. And then looking at the Red Wings roster, guys that are most likely to be dealt in that world. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu is there. Um, I think Robbie Fabry is there as well. I do not. I think... I think he gets calls.
1: He's going to get calls, but I don't think Eisman's going to accept the price and I don't think teams are going to offer that high for him because sample size. We've been watching Fabry for the last three months and we've been amazed with Fabry. Other teams
0: are going the only two words of that sentence they picked out was three months. Yeah, and, and that's right. That's exactly right. We see Fabry's future value. Other teams are like, there's no body of work. We want to buy low. Eisenman will set the price at his future value. Teams will not overpay for it.
1: And also, the, red, the one thing that is very much worth noting that we have to keep in our minds when we're talking about selling everybody, what position are the Red Wings the thinnest at right now on the big league roster and their prospect system? It's four words. They are not in a position to be giving up good top six, top nine forwards, age 25 or under. They are not in the position to be able to do that comfortably. Because even outside of the team right now, who is in the system that really gets us excited? Valeno? Yes. Rasmussen and Svechnikov, for the most part, maybe Mastro-Simone. Um, and obviously, I'm assuming is more likely not to take up forward with the fourth overall pick this year. So there's that. Yeah. Adds, and you have to hope they all hit. What are the odds all of them hit? 10%, 15%? If they all hit, then you have a top 9. So the Red Wings don't have the luxury of selling off forwards unless you're getting an absolute Kings ransom in return.
0: That in like that's a harrowing uh thing to think about because I think 10 to 15% is high. So, yeah, you're looking at a very low percentage that everyone that they currently own hits and then they have a viable top nine. So in three years, how many how many of Master Simone,
1: Rasmussen, Svechnikov and Valeno do you see playing in the top nine and producing, say, 40 points Two. Yeah, I think that's the right answer.
0: Uh, Okay, going down the rest of the list, um, Darren Helm. And Luke Lindenning are the two other obvious answers there. For forwards. For yeah. forwards. And given their age, this is where you can afford to start dealing forwards. Defense, um, Mike Green, his no trade clause has uh, expired yeah, as of February 1st. Uh, Trevor Daly, if he gets healthy. <laughs> is anybody actually
1: going to want Trevor Daly? I, I've been watching him closely just, just to see, like... Maybe there's a few things other teams will pick. There's no redeeming parts of his game right now. He's a train wreck. He is he would be addition by subtraction for the Red Wings right now. Just literally give him to another team and put any competent player in that spot, and the Red Wings are a better hockey team.
0: And you watch the way Trevor Daly has declined. It's not like how other players have declined who had a little bit more skill than him because they adapted like they know they had to skate slower or they could only skate so fast anymore and so they adapted their positioning but it looks like his fundamentals went out the window at the same time as all of his like raw talent and it's really uh he's really coasting on name value and it's not going to be uh, pretty when a team either gives up an asset for him or they sign him in the off season. There's no world where I think Steve Eisman brings him back. I think Steve Eisman's talent assessments a little bit better unless he's really want for warm bodies. Although Gustav Lindstrom has done really well, I think in his first seven or eight games, however many it has been, he's been acceptable. Um, except Red Wings, acceptable. So Red wide
1: ex- uh, re- he's been acceptable
0: by NHL standards. He's been top three by Red Wing standards. Yeah. Um, no, I, watching Trevor Daly is just, I have, I, I, I clipped the games and I posted on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. I have a whole folder of Trevor Daly stuff. And sometimes I have to hold back on posting everything that I see because it's too much. Granted, he's not the only one. Like, I don't think anyone should be giving up assets from Mike Green right now either. I think the days of him being an ex, uh, a useful second. I forget what chart I was looking at, but someone did like
1: a uh, zone exit A controlled zone exit chart and Mike Green was like top 20 in the league. Really? Yeah. It floored me. Huh. Well, maybe I'm being too hard on Mike Green. I think Mike Green suffers from a lot of, uh, I I don't think Green's been particularly great this year, but at the same time, I think he suffers from a lot of the problems uh, that Dennis Cholosky did in the sense that his game is so predicated on being surrounded by talent that he's getting hurt. Oh, more God! Yeah, relative to others, more so because of it. Yeah, because he—he's the type of guy. His game gets exponentially better when he's surrounded with more talented players. Where everybody's game is going to get better when they play with better players. But yeah, he, him, and Cholosky are the two that I think are are getting absolutely murdered by it.
0: And the last player who I think is most liable to be moved, if there is a world where a lot of these players are going to be moved, is uh, goaltender Jonathan Bernier, who's having a phenomenal season. He
1: is. I, again, I think I'm at the point, unless there's a first on the table or a top prospect, I don't entertain it. I don't even think I'd trade Bernier for a second at this point. I would. I would
0: still trade him for a second. He's to- been
1: playing Vesna caliber goaltending, and he's cap-controlled, cost-controlled for next season as well. He's and he's at an age you could extend him another three, four years comfortably beyond that. To me, that's a very, very valuable asset to this organization, an organization right now who doesn't have an heir anywhere close to ready anywhere in the organization. It's Bernier for the next few years, or you're overpaying a free agent. Those
0: are, literally the options or you're paying somebody no money and you just hope that they're fine and and just yeah please for the love of god don't be vessa well what they were doing before was you know jimmy howard who they're paying four million or five point whatever before that and he sucked at times honestly i was gonna say uh since 2020 came around uh jimmy howard's been pretty great in net but then that last stinker game he had i was like no no one's gonna move anything for him at this point no and that's understandable he's Put in a good career, his he can't do what he used to do, and, and that is what it is. Um, again, like you're not—I don't think you're wrong about what Jonathan Bernier is to this team and how important that is to the future of this organization. I'm still of the unshakable notion that a goaltender, a 31-year-old goaltender, is useful to you now. But if you hit on a second-round pick in the future, like and in, in that turns out to be, you know, not, Kucherov's a dramatic example, but like a star player, a top-six player. And that you get with that extra second-round pick. Move.
1: That's very valuable.
0: Because, but again, but
1: again, as much as we'd like to just punt the entire team into the sun and get future assets, someone has to stop Pucks for the next couple of years. Yeah. Someone. They can't just parade out. They can't, like, if we're being honest, they can't parade Howard out next year. They just can't. No. He can't do it anymore. I think he hangs him up.
0: I think he hangs him up.
1: I, I hope so, because I don't want to see his leg. He's got a very strong legacy with the Red Wings. I don't want to see that tarnished by few crappy years kind of like martin Brodeur did with the devils Uh, obviously not to the same extremes but yeah you either have to be really damn confident you're getting one of the decent goalies in free agency this summer at a reasonable price or you got
0: to keep them Since we spoke last, uh, we were recording with you as the Red Wings game was, uh, as the Red Wings were playing the Devils uh, last Thursday, and uh, the third period was one of the most abysmal periods of the Red Wings season, which is saying something, they lost 4-1 to the Devils. That screenshot of the Red Wings Twitter feed going around was heartbreaking.
1: Those poor Red Wings social media workers, we feel for you guys.
0: And then they lost uh, the same 4-1 score to Boston, and then uh, 5-1 to Pittsburgh. Uh, So fun fact. Moving up in the world. I had plans, um, like annual plans with a group of friends on Sunday and I ate, coincided with the Pittsburgh game and I went, you know what? I've covered nearly every game this season. I'm fine with this reprieve. I know how this game is going to go. Pittsburgh's on a tear. They just got Zucker. Detroit is not looking good. They're at the tail end of a a road trip that's currently 0-3, probably going to be 0-4 after today. So I was able to watch half the first period before I left home. Got to, uh, we went to like this bowling alley, like, bar pub thing. Uh, what's up on 400 square feet of projector screen? Pittsburgh versus Detroit. I hate national broadcast games when the Red Wings are good. Oh man, does it grind me when they're on it when the Red Wings are bad. And it's just, like, whoever's deciding this just needs to realize that, yes, the Red Wings are a historic franchise, but no, they are not even remotely good enough to be putting on national television this year. It's really just, hey, everyone, watch Crosby and Zucker pump their stats against this terrible garbage AHL team. Is it just me or the Red Wings had a lot of national games? They've had so many, especially the last, they've, They have. I think they have a dozen on the year, and it feels like all of them have come in the past month.
1: Um, fun fact: If a bunch of games go a specific way over the next 48 hours, the Red Wings could be eliminated, mathematically eliminated from playoff contention tomorrow. Oh yeah! By uh, it's I, it's a long much. shot because like there's like I think seven or eight games that have to go a very specific way, but they could be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs February 18th. The playoffs start in April. <laughs> this is why we need the Golds plan, though. Imagine getting that much of a head start. Oh man. The Red Wings
0: could lose nine games in a row and probably still get a huge points head start on everybody else. (laughs) There's uh, a couple people who comment on every kind of like positive thing I put out there, uh, which I have to do. Otherwise, you will kill me and I will also kill me because it's a long season. Um, And they say, no, we need the Red Wings to be bad to tank. Man, they are 15 points behind 30th and they have 30th place has two games in hand on them. That is a potential 19-point difference. Detroit is finishing last. Root for wins. Again, think of it. Think of context in your head. The Detroit Red
1: Wings could go on a seven-game winning streak. And 30th place could go on a seven-game losing streak. All in regulation. The Red Wings are still in last. Are either of those two things very likely to happen? Less than 1%. So... We are at the point in the season you can very comfortably sit on your couch, get hammered, and actually cheer for the Red Wings to win because it doesn't matter. The sucky part about this is they're very not likely to,
0: but you can hope for it. You can hope for it. Uh, I know this doesn't affect anything. Like I know... Detroit has an 18.5% chance at winning the draft lottery no matter what. It doesn't matter who has what behind them. If one team owns all other draft lottery picks, Detroit still has an 18.5% chance. It doesn't matter. It's them versus the field. That said, Ottawa owning their pick and San Jose's pick irks me because I don't think Eugene Melnick should be rewarded for running a franchise into the ground, ruining an arena deal that would have put a Canadian franchise in their downtown core instead of out, you know, out in the middle of nowhere where there's only one major artery going in and out, which ice is over because they live in Ottawa. He ruined that. He traded away Mark Stone. He drove Eric Carlson out of town. He got rid of all these great players. And now you're going to be rewarded with Alexi Lafreniere and then like Jamie Drysdale or something? No, 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 no. They're already getting two insane talents with their two probably top 10 picks. I am not for Ottawa getting first overall. I'm sorry. Give them second and third for all I care. Not first overall. And there it
1: is, boys and girls. Ryan has just guaranteed Ottawa the first overall pick. Of
0: course they're going to get it. Because right now, they're sitting at, I believe, a 19% pick.
1: Um, For what it's worth, since the current system has been implemented in the draft lottery, the team that finishes dead last has won the first overall pick every other year. And do you know what didn't happen last year? Oh, that's right. So if the pattern holds,
0: Ryan... (laughs) Look, statistically, this should have never happened this way. It's just a fluke. But root for Ottawa and San Jose. And if you're saying, Ryan, you're thinking too much of the feelings, fine. Here's some objectivity for you. Ottawa's in the Atlantic division. Do you really want to play Alexi Lafreniere and then one of Jamie Drysdale, Tim Stutzla, uh, Quentin Byfield, blah, 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 every night for the next 15 years? No, you do not want that. There's already enough powerhouses in the Atlantic. Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto all are in the Atlantic, not to mention Florida. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, Speaking of that, you want to hear a really, 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 really
1: fun stat that just irks Leaf fans. It gets me so happy. Hmm. Since Sheldon Keefe took over the Leafs, the Leafs have the fourth best record in the entire NHL in that time frame. First is Tampa Bay, third is Boston. (laughs) So they still only have the third best record in their own division in that time. Uh, this format, this playoff format sucks.
0: If Florida is able to make up, what they're, make up their two games in hand, I believe Toronto falls back out of a playoff spot.
1: This is going to be fun watching. Even if they make the playoffs or not, it's going to be fun watching them melt down the wire. Because when they get pumped by Buffalo, oh boy. all Oh,
0: my Twitter timeline is a dark, dark place. Um, okay. We're gonna do a tankathon, but I actually have one question no, for you. No, would you take on PK Subban's contract? Nine million for two more years. What's the trade? Hey, what What would be the piece that would have to come back to justify it for you? If you're seedling? honestly, I like PK Subban not much. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if, they have if the New, cap space. New Jersey wanted
1: to unload PK Subban. He's got two years left, right? Yeah. Third round pick. Sure. Let's go. Thank you. Because. I'd probably do it for a fifth or a sixth because P.K. Subban would be a valuable asset to the Detroit Reddings for the next two years. In a couple of years where they're probably not going to be big game hunting in free agency, they're probably going to suck. And if he's the guy that teaches Cholosky and Hronik how to properly QB a power play. Cool. If
0: a half-decent prospect or a second comes.
1: Yeah. Gravy uh also this is a team that's in uh need of some personality if we're being honest i i take on suban uh, just for the entertainment value honestly um the Red wings are a very boring hockey team in
0: every sense of the word and all of that is assuming pk's decline is permanent which when a talented player declines like that you are just ripe for a look how he rec- like recovered his career and now he's effective like look at any of the stalls like New Jersey's not actually considered getting ready. Right. I don't think so. Okay, I, I don't was going to say, like, was, where's this coming
1: from? Because
0: I don't think their want for cap space. I think they have like $37 million in cap yeah. space. Uh, okay, we're going to run a tankathon because uh, we're sick and we're broken. And I don't think the Red Wings have won the last like five times I've done this. And Ottawa, Alexi Lafrenier. Minnesota, Quentin Byfield. Arizona, Tim Stutzla.
1: Oh, well, that's not the worst case scenario, at least.
0: And Detroit, Lucas Raymond or Marco Rossi or... Hell
1: yeah. Else. That's the mentality I'm taking. Lucas Raymond or Red Wing? Hell yeah. Marco Rossi or Red Wing? Hell yeah. <laughs> Tim Stutzler at Red Wing? Hell yeah. We're going to ignore wherever Alexi Lafreniere <laughs> ends up. Because that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, we are We are just being given a Lucas Raymond.
0: It's great, isn't it?
1: We get him for free all it cost was our pain and suffering
0: a long season of pain and suffering um do we want to talk specifically about any prospects right now um or are we gonna wait post trade deadline to maybe post trade deadline and then we'll, we start in-depth stuff that's what i was
1: thinking
0: uh, i'm trying to think i haven't watched too much prospect stuff uh, other than, right
1: than promen di- Corey promen just did kind of like a european tour and did the bean pot and uh uh it wasn't a Red Wings specific article but he made it a very specific point to hone in on a couple of Red Wings prospects that impressed him in those U18 or U19 tournaments over in Europe the Five Nations I believe it was. He was very impressed by how competent Gustav Berglund was and he had very complimentary things about to say about Elmer Soderblom. So yeah, there we Soderblom's go. Soderblom's couple-
0: been getting a lot of that's for you Lars but he's been getting a lot of attention.
1: He those two guys were picked in the same round of the same draft weren't they? 6th round? Yes. Yeah.
0: That could be a very. Uh, when I watched Berglund
1: at the um, development camp, I went, wow, he is surprisingly competent, was about the best thing I could say about him. But to hear he's progressing well, I've not watched a single Berglund game this year. So to hear he's progressing well is uh, very promising. Uh, uh, and we've all heard about Soderblom's
0: production in the Swedish U20 league this year, which is comically good. I'm going to move us along to some uh, quick hits. And they are very Department of Player Safety themed. We're going to start with Zach Cassian, who kicked someone in the chest with his skate.
1: Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about that yet. I got yelled at on Twitter so much about that that I uh, forgot we hadn't actually talked about it. Yes. Because most people seem to agree with me in the sense that what he did was wrong and bad and that his suspension was way too light. But here we are because I made a... Joe, eh, half serious, half joke, kind of half-serious, half-joke point where if Chernak, as he's trying to stand up there, like his hand slips or something and he falls forward, Cassian could kick him in the throat and we're talking about a murder. It's like a Clinton Blarchuk situation here. Like, he kicked a guy donkey kick style with his skate. He literally attacked a dude with a knife if you want to really get down to the, uh, the bare bones of it. Yeah, he didn't kick him that hard. I get it. That's a blade. It doesn't take a lot of force to cut somebody. I have had a dude on the bench, hop the bench in front of me and his skate just grazed my wrist and opened it up for three stitches. It doesn't take much. So the fact that he purposely did it in a kicking motion even if he just brushed his jersey i start that suspension at 10 games the fact that he actually made contact and had a little bit of force into it they got this wrong by less than half they weren't even close on what the suspension would have should have been
0: you can throw out the entire situation where someone can say yeah brad but he didn't hit his neck or yeah like it wasn't likely that it was going to be anywhere but his chest look at the idea of someone made a conscious decision to use their skate as a weapon on the ice. Not their stick when they're slashing, not their fist when they're punching. They use their skate in an attempt to hurt or affect another player on the ice. That is Pandora's box. Because if you allow that, it's going to keep happening. And then someone will end up bloodied or something worse on the ice. Seven... Look, I'm not going to say seven games is nothing. I was actually thinking... If this is less than five, then like legitimately George Peros needs to be fired yesterday. When I saw that it was seven, my thought was I would have given him 20 games. I would have given him 20 games because what is, what is that? It's a deterrent from someone ever doing something so stupid again. When someone, you know, throws a dirty hit or does something else sus- suspendable, yeah, there's always player safety at risk. But there, if we're going to call a spade a spade here, like there's a certain window or a certain amount of uh, leeway you have where you know that hit's probably not gonna kill someone, a blade, a skate blade will cut open an artery. It'll cut open, like people will, there will be blood on the ice and that is not the look the NHL wants. That should have been 20 games in my mind. That should have been 20 games, not for that act alone, but to also be a deterrent from anyone else being so stupid. And while we're talking about people being stupid, Zach Cassian went on and on and on and it was this whole dramatic thing with Kachuk about the code and you just don't do that. Where'd the code go? Because I'm pretty sure the code would say, don't kick someone with your skate on. What a Choke. We're two hockey players who grew up with the code, and I think we can agree the code is bullshit. Co- Everything about it is stupid. The code is whatever that person wants the code to be to make their situa- their exact- actions justified. Exactly. Absolutely 100% right.
1: The code is... Not like in Pirates of the Caribbean where they follow it strictly. No, it's different to everybody. The theory of it is pretty close for everybody. Yeah, don't screw with our players. Don't be cheap. And, you know, if you do something, we're going to come back at you. But it never works out exactly like that. Everybody's area of what's clean and dirty is wrong. How many fights do we see after a big clean hit? It's stupid. Everybody's got a different definition of it we got to stop talking about that. The player safety needs to get their heading gear because I, I will argue that we've had a lot of bad iterations, but the current iteration of the player safety department is the worst it's ever been because as Evander Kane teed off after his three game suspension, mm-hmm. nobody knows what's what anymore. I love, okay. I don't like Evander Kane. I think he's one of these guys who crosses the line way too much. I think his three game suspension for elbowing Neil Pionk in the head was probably a little on the light side, at least closer to correct than the Cassian thing was, but he went off a, he showed a video or quote tweeted a video of someone making the exact same hit he did and they got no suspension. Yeah. And I agree with Evander Kane a hundred percent in everything he said in his statement. It's inconsistent. It's not fair. Nobody, nobody, players, coaches, anybody is what is and isn't a suspension anymore. There's no consistency. There's no pattern. He went off about how horrible of a job they're doing. And every word he said was right. Because at no point in that did he say, I didn't deserve my suspension. He's like, I don't even, he didn't even mention his own suspension. No. Other than in the context of what's different from that hit to this, to my
0: hit. Uh Chara. Chara. You know, got a get out of jail free card again because he is just tall. He cross checked Gallagher, was it? Yep. In the throat. There goes his lady being candidate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the throat. And then Gallagher got an embellishment penalty. And Dano Chara got off with a $5,000 fine, which is the equivalent of, I think Steve Dangle put it out on Twitter, like us buying a coffee. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. He cross-checked him in the throat. Why is a Chara always allowed to do this crap? Like why is he always allowed to just use a stick as a weapon or just hit people in the head with his stick or his uh his fists or whatever and he just never gets suspensions and the league is like, "Well, he's very tall." Because so why what, f- what is that relevant? He should have more of it. A- it's like when you when you There's very few instances where a high sticking call isn't on you and that's when it's a follow through on a shot. Otherwise, you have to be responsible for your stick. Same way, you're responsible for your stick even if you're seven foot a million or whatever Chara is. It's so stupid and that's another one that the Department of Player Safety dropped the ball on. This
1: is a joke and the NHL needs to do something about this department immediately. Everybody laughed when George Paris came in. Oh, they're getting a goon to run in the player department. And we're all like, yeah, but like these guys know the in and outs. It's, it's probably not actually a bad thing. Cause if you look at a guy like Chris Pronger, he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders, even though he was one of the goons on the ice, albeit more talented. Nope. This George Peros situation has gone as hilariously bad as everybody jokingly predicted it would. And, and it's not that he's ever, has he had one suspension where anybody, everybody's come in? Ooh, that's a bit harsh. No, he's come in light on every single one he's ever given out. It's horrible player safety they need to take that out of the department's name because it doesn't matter they don't care about the player safety at all
0: and you know what george peros is a smart guy he's princeton educated he's an ivy league nhl player or nhl alumni drives me nuts there's no consistency so many times players get off with nothing uh last point And this is relevant uh, to the Red Wings again because this is one that actually had a little spark in me almost the same way Gerard Gallant did. And that is Bruce Boudreaux was fired from the Minnesota Wild, which I think is intriguing because I think Bruce Boudreaux was doing a good job with not a lot to work with sometimes.
1: He's a phenomenal coach. Um, When I, I, I sent out a tweet after the news that Gallant and Boudreaux are both on the market and Detroit is sitting on their hands or whatever. And everybody's like, oh, I don't want Boudreaux. The um, public. everybody missed a point where he's got the second highest winning percentage in NHL history as a coach. And they're like, yeah, but he's only ever gone to the conference finals once. Yeah. A lot of the teams he's coached probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. So has, how many times has Bruce Boudreau had a, a roster where you're looking at and going, yeah, they should win the cup. Yeah. Rarely. Maybe his early days in Washington, which again, you can criticize him all you want for them because those teams probably should have went further than they did. Uh, he was a rookie coach at that time and has gotten better over time.
0: Coaches so, develop the same way players do. I hope people yeah, know that.
1: Yeah. Bruce Boudreaux didn't do the best job in the world with the Capitals in his first few years. Oh, well, he got better. It's, uh, and again, <laughs> compared to what we have, is anybody going to take a, say no to a Jeff Blashill for Bruce Boudreaux trade right now? I mean, Boudreau is not my first choice of the guys on the market. I think Gallant still would be my go-to. Uh, Boudreau is probably in the top three. At worst. So I don't know what Minnesota is thinking. They set they trade away Zucker and then Bill Guerin says, yeah, but we're still going to make the playoffs. We're still going for the playoffs. Okay. I get that. That's fine. You got a really good return. I can't argue. And then you fire your coach when your mediocre team with a bad roster is what? Three points out of a playoff spot. Don't get it at all. I, I And who, who's, who's your replacement? Are you pretty confident you're getting Gerard Gallant? Are you pretty confident you're getting Peter Laviolette?
0: You better be. Uh, This is poised to be an interesting summer. And it could be like a big nothing burger and they could just pick up the last year option on Blash Hill. Because, you know, if Eiserman is of the mind that coaching is not what he's worried about right now, then fine. Uh, But this could be a big summer's worth of news we're gonna head over to uh overtime uh starting with our patreon uh supporters our patrons get their comments read out on air uh every uh overtime as our way of saying thank you for making this show happen uh we're gonna start with david he says howdy guys to ease the pain of this season in ottawa probably having a better chance to grab lafreniere i've already started looking ahead to the olympics if you had to put a current red wings player in the following events which would you choose 100 meter dash 100 meter oh that's athensiu athensiu diving Uh, (laughs) Archery Anthony Mantha Uh, Are we talking
1: So archery would be like your sniper Yeah Zadina Mantha's got a more powerful shot But Zadina picks corners better than Mantha does
0: Judo Uh, Jake (laughs) Munson, Anthony Mantha (laughs) Uh, Marathon Dylan Larkin Plays a lot of minutes Or Philip Ronak Darren Helm Thanks for all that you do, and I look forward to sporting one of your bumper stickers soon. Uh, Matt Bacher says, hey, guys, let's say in an alternate reality, the Wings took Quinn Hughes instead of Zadina, who was taken by Vancouver. Is Zadina the runaway called her favorite on a line with Pedersen? Uh, maybe, actually. <laughs> uh, cheers and thanks for all you guys have done this season. Misery Loves Company uh, has taken in. Uh, taken on a whole new meeting this season Haroon Khan says hey guys what I would comment something long detailing how done I am with Blash Shale and each veteran player on this team who's let me down so much along with the entire fan base it's uh, shameful the way they play at this point it's not exaggerating that I could sub in for Abdelkader and dig in better than him in case he didn't get the dig in reference it's what uh, plays on repeat and Blashill's voice in the Red Wings locker room. I don't think he goes in to coach. I think he probably leaves a Bluetooth speaker in the locker room and plays dig in on repeat. Hey, Blashill, we've been digging in for five seasons now. For God's sake, say something else.
1: Dig in deeper,
0: just I can't deep. with this guy. I'm so done with him. Uh, what improvement have we seen? Every player has regressed except for a handful of young guns and a 30 something year old goalie. I don't care if the team's bad, it's on the coach. We're historically bad. It's on the coach, he can't find a way to stop some of the bleeding. All I wanted was a respectful year and something to look forward to, but this depresses me more, and I don't know how long this rebuild will take now. Before this year, I was hoping it would be two more. Now I don't know. I still don't know how I've watched every game this year, and I don't and I don't drink too. Anyways, hope you guys didn't get too tired by reading this long comment. Thanks for all you guys doing this tough season Let's Go Red Wings. By the way, if something, someone thinks I'm wrong about Blash, he'll give me five good things he's done in the last five seasons, and I'll take back my comment. Just your average T says, so what's going on with these massive overpays? And gosh, I wish Detroit uh, had someone who uh, someone would overpay for. Anyway, stay fresh us cheese bags. And speaking of which, what happened to the cheese bag you guys at the meetup? I still have it. I just have to kind of unpack it. I put it in a box while we moved to the new house. K Waz says, what's up, dudes? Uh, been a bit since I've written in. Uh, if you guys had the ability to watch the US. Uh, If you guys have the ability to watch the U.S. NCAA basketball tournament this March, try to do so because it's going to be absolutely bonkers. There's no clear cut favorite and chaos is amazing. Yeah, I watch every year.
1: It's about the only time I watch NBA playoffs and I watch March Madness and that's about all the basketball I watch. I'm the definition of your fair weather fan.
0: Uh, Before this next comment, I'm going to qualify this by saying uh, we're not going to be weighing in on this for obvious reasons. Um, I understand it's a big topic in the hockey world and we have nothing substantial to offer here so um let it unfold as it will uh jonathan mccleish says team biz or team dan talking about the Biz nasty dan carcillo thing oh yeah that's wow in all seriousness these two have more in common than not both have held their hands up to varying degrees of past indiscretions and in a world where there's not really a path to redemption they've been given one sit down over some cold ones and sort it out it'd be nice uh owner of the wwp (laughs) rowan says hello puppets it is me your favorite puppet master when will i be receiving my first royalty payment from all the sweet sweet patreon bucks we rake in each week when you find terry as a new owner of the podcast i will also be conducting a full performance audit given trade deadline is a week away and i'm working phones kicking tires to determine your values hard decisions need to be made and i'm not afraid to make them so the season is still going which is most unfortunate if you're keeping count the wings are only 39 points out of a playoff spot with 21 games to go but at least at time of writing we lead the league in games play Yay, mathematically, the Wings can be eliminated from playoff contention this week. Stay tuned. Maybe we've made a trade by the time you're reading this comment, so we all have something new to be upset about for a while. In the meantime, I, amongst many others, are just glad that Terry is back. His comments were refreshing amidst the usual sea of sycophantic nonsense. Jersey time. Top five non-Red Wings road white NHL jerseys. We are all Terry. Okay, top five road white non-Red Wings Number one is Vegas, not up for debate Vegas
1: is there, uh, Pittsburgh for me Yeah, you're always on the Pittsburgh ones uh, I'm My love of the Rangers will always stay high I think Chicago gets a nod here
0: Chicago uh, So that's three, gotta think of two more, eh? I'm looking through here um, I think you're right about the Rangers Yeah, I think you're right about the Rangers We'll, we'll give you the Rangers here one more road whites. Can we count Buffalo's white and gold ones? <laughs> no, I think
1: those are there. <laughs> they're thirds. all, I know they're alternates. I, uh, it's tough.
0: I'm I'm literally running Minnesota's. Yeah. Minnesota's I'm so big, big white. fan of Minnesota's. Yeah. Um, um I would say I St. Louis, more? but I would say their road whites are actually the least good of their amazing Jersey set out of all the sets they wear. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that
1: uh i'm struggling for a fifth here everybody else's is, is
0: like mad did we not say we said vegas new york pittsburgh i didn't agree on pittsburgh minnesota but the how do you not like pittsburgh uh, they're fine i didn't say i hated them they're yeah. fine i think when buffalo moves to their new jerseys and if uh calgary moves to their whole uh no black outline color scheme theirs will qualify yeah they'd be up there for sure uh arizona yeah arizona's is really good i really like arizona's um i have to get back to our tab here everett johnson says uh, i'm a few days late on the congratulations but way to go on five years i'm proud of all of you here's a fun little revisionist wrangle for all three of you what has been your favorite memory as it relates to the podcast what would you have done differently or done more of i appreciate you boys and here's the next five years we appreciate you everett What's your favorite memory of the podcast?
1: Um, Well, I'm going to take out all the meetups and stuff like that, because those are obviously number one, but those didn't technically happen on the podcast. My favorite memory is when I dropped the not so subtle hint that Crystal is pregnant and it took Ryan five minutes to catch on that the ones, what the onesies (laughs) I just threw on the table meant. Watch it. Evan just right away. Oh, no. And Ryan just sitting there. Oh, look at this. This is cute. And Evan having to yell at Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then just watching the,
0: oh, oh, <laughs> I will say I recovered. And for the second baby, I got it right away.
1: Yeah. The second time. That one was a little more obvious though, because Mika
0: sure literally said big sister. Yes. Um, that honestly probably was number one for me. If we want like a, a sad or like a hilariously weird number one, I think it has to be you and I sitting on the couch watching more outsider get drafted. Six oh, overall, it, just because of how wild that was. Uh, um,
1: spending an hour watching Evan eat a pineapple.
0: Yes. Was uh, weird but hilarious. Things that I wish we would have done more of is actually a really good question because I've been thinking a lot about this. And I wish like I, I we feel so fortunate for being where we are and we feel, you know, proud because we've grinded to build the show to where it is. I wish we would have done more of uh allowing ourselves to feel good about this sooner. We joked for a long time. I like, feel good about this. And that's exactly it. Like we joked for a long time about like, oh, you know, we're just a bunch of guys talking, which is what we are. But that's what everyone is, right? Like unless you're being paid by a team, like I think we we didn't give ourselves enough credit for the longest time. And I don't think that, we're, that means we're right about everything. God, no. That's not even it at, at all. But like this show got built up because of you guys. To be the biggest Red Wings show out there, and, and that's like a huge for us. And we kind of didn't let ourselves believe it for the longest time. Like we would look at it, we'd be like, "No, this is crazy. Like something's wrong." And What's wrong with these people. It really by just like allowing ourselves to enjoy it, it's really allowed us to kind of do more stuff and believe in ourselves and, and believe in making you know this show bigger and better every day. And not to say like, you know we deserve all the praise in the world. Like literally, we mean it when it's you guys who made the show what it is what it is. But I I do wish that we would have uh, spent less time not allowing ourselves to enjoy it. But we're enjoying it now. I'm going to give more of a practical answer. Uh, Once
1: we get more time, I'd love to do a lot more with YouTube and live events.
0: Yes, and <laughs> and draft lottery. I hate how they don't announce a draft lottery date because we need to set that live stream. I'm we'll literally put a counter on our website. Yeah, countdown St- to sadness. Stay fresh. Cheese bags of Fournier Company says, "Hey, fellows, did I get? Yes, you got your comment in on time. Uh, so Prudential Center is really nice, huge, spacious." Uh, concourse beer under 10 bucks and great views of the ice no matter where you sit how sad is it that beer under 10 bucks is a benchmark (laughs) jumbotron is enormous the fans didn't chirp us until the devil's potted those four goals in that wonderful six minute span of the third saw a little bit more fire and urgency from the bench but Blashill is still hurting this team i'm still on the fire Blashill train but i also wouldn't be surprised to see his option picked up for next year i think it's more likely eisenman absolutely blows up the roster he has a history of expensive buyouts and will probably let a lot of these rfas walk i'm all for it Stay fresh cheese bags. You're not cool for drinking Malbec. Nobody is. It's the hipster of wines. So the next time you're at a party and some top knotted bearded skinny jean track jacketed waste of oxygen proudly exclaims I love a good Malbec while jamming the corkscrew right in without removing the foil. You throw them out the front door DJ Jazzy Jeff style and set their footprints on fire to cleanse the house of their scourge. (gasps) I refuse to uh, pair a cheese with Malbec. That is hysterical. I have never drank Malbec. Chris says, hey guys, the draft lottery goes uh, how people expect and we get third against all odds. Good news. Ottawa doesn't land either pick above us and ends up fifth and seventh. Given the top 10 in the draft, what would the minimum you would take to move back to a hypothetical fifth or seventh? I think a second round could be enough since this would be pick 32 to 34 for fifth and a second and third for seventh. No, I would take more than a second round pick to move back from third to fifth. Third to
1: fifth? it." Uh, you're guaranteeing yourself one of Raymond Rossi, Drysdale or Stutzla. But how big do you think? Here's here's the way the way it's likely going to go. How big of a gap do you think there is from Stutzla to Rossi?
0: Uh, observable, not massive. I think I think uh, Stuttsla's in the class with probably Byfield, with Byfield being the clear leader, but he's in that class. And I think Rossi, Raymond, Drysdale are all in that third tier.
1: Yeah, I've got. (laughs) The way this draft's going, fifth, when you get to pick five, that's my fourth tier. So then, do I have Lefrenier in a tier, Byfield in a tier, Stutzla and Raymond in a tier, and then the next group. And then do you then do you take a second round pick to move yourself back thirty two in this draft or thirty three? I would very strongly consider it. I would. This is where nuance comes in because who's picking fourth would matter a lot because if it's a team like Colorado last year sitting at four, we're pretty positive they're grabbing a defenseman there so i.e we were pretty certain Byron was going four last year if we're pretty certain drysdale's going four this year so i'm passing on stutzla at three to take raymond at five i'd probably take like a third round pick happily because i don't think there's a gap between them or vice versa so it it's a
0: calculated gamble but yeah it would all depend who's sitting fourth <laughs> Uh, Joseph Delia says, Sup, my dudes. New Jersey now has three first round picks in two seconds. How crazy is it that interim GM, GM, uh, Fitzgerald? could get more back for coleman than shiro got for hull uh let's say detroit uh let's say detroit's third in the draft what's an acceptable trade that both sides say yes to new jersey trading two of their picks for detroit's basically pick the two draft positions by new jersey both sides would agree to swap thanks
1: um new jersey wins the draft lottery picks first overall and then i'll happily trade anything for it <laughs> uh I,
0: if we're talking like a fifth and like a 12th
1: new jersey's probably picking higher than fifth if we're being honest
0: yeah well Everything can happen. Obviously, like they, I don't think New Jersey would do that, but if you're taking anywhere in the five range and then in the teens, like I'd be happy to, to take that to move up to third. Cause again, there is an appreciable value at third that I think you won't get at fifth, guess wise, in terms of drafting, but. Not so much where you wouldn't want to listen to offers like that. We have time for some uh, Reddit comments. Leonard McWhippa says, Hello friends, I made it out to my first Red Wings game a few weekends ago and naturally we got shut out. If you had to formulate a blockbuster or a big trade that Stevie would possibly go for, who'd be included and what would it be for? Oh man, I would love to be able to answer these questions. Um, I think a really uh, strong consideration would be that P.K. Subban trade because of how viable it would be for... Uh, the Red Wings, but the thing is, New Jersey doesn't need cap space and they're not about to give him up for nothing. They got him pretty cheap, I think. But uh, what's another blockbuster that they could run? The Red Wings could run?
1: Well, the thing is, you got to think of premium assets around the NHL that could be on the trade block. I'm not. Mantha for Deleen. Yeah, but they're not going to trade Deleen. Like, I'm trying to think who's a team that might be looking to get rid of a really, really good player for reasons x y or z that would make any sense for detroit and i'm not seeing a lot of names in my head that are making
0: any sense all of them revolve around colorado's wealth of high-end defensemen and their need for scoring top-end talent so you're talking blockbuster you work in uh, Amantha or Zadina in there, and then you're talking about Makar or Byram. No, they're, they're not trading like Makar. No. No chance. You could maybe pry Byram away from them for the right
1: piece, so that's probably as close as we're going to get. Would you do Zadina for Byram straight up right now? Uh, no, because we know Zadina can do it at the NHL level now. That extra little bit of certainty. And again, organizational need. Detroit needs the forwards more than they need the defense right now.
0: I uh, also want to know your thoughts on removing the trapezoid. Yes. Yeah, I don't like that rule at all. I hate it because
1: goalies are I get why the rule is put in place initially, but now every goalie can handle the puck and start a rush on a change or something like that. Let him get out there and get the puck. Please just do it.
0: Southern Wing 97 says good day, Wheelers. Uh, I was laughing my ass off when Rowan made you think he was Terry and I laughed even harder at Ryan saying he was going to fly to Australia to kick Rowan's ass. Be serious. We all saw and heard your reaction to some tiny Canadian spider. You'd be scared to leave the airport down here in case you saw an actual spider. You're not wrong. I'm, I'm literally all talk all the time. I will not back up what I say. Question time. Most years, there's some hype about the franchise altering capabilities of the top couple picks. And I know there's no way to do this objectively, but please try. Given what your opinions of them were in their draft year, please order these 10 players if they were all in the upcoming 2020 draft. Lafrenier, Byfield, Hughes, Kako, Deline, Svechnikov, Hisher, Patrick, Matthews, Line A. So what we thought of them in their draft year.
1: Okay. Uh, out of all of them, I think
0: I was the highest on Matthews. I would, yeah. Matthews was like, Matthews is being compared to McDavid where everyone knew it wasn't quite the same, but still same kind of game altering.
1: Uh, so right now I'm trying to think. And then there's a bunch of second overalls in there, right? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Matthews, Darlene, Lafrenier, Hughes. Am I missing any other first overalls in there? Um He sure. Yeah, we weren't that high on him. Um probably then Svechnikov, Kako. Uh he sure. Patrick's definitely the bottom of the list for me. I yes. was never high on him. That high on him anyway. Um Am I forgetting anybody else there other than... Do you say line A? No, line A, I would probably slot in... I think based on what we... Somewhere uh,
0: between... Just above CAC, uh No, just above Sveshnikov. Based on what we thought of line A at the time, wouldn't he be 10th? Because he wasn't... Con- no, 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 we were... We were very big on line A. Were we? Yeah. It's hard to remember. I appreciate you remembering.
1: Yeah. No, we were high on line A, so he's probably ahead of Sveshnikov. Uh, I have Matthews. Of all the second overall
0: picks on that list, I think we were highest on line A. I have Matthews. I have, based on, the to- at the time, Deline, just because the Red Wings had no defensive stalwarts. Uh, and then I have Lafreniere and then Hughes. And then it's pretty similar, like you, I said here. Then Kako not- Byfield Sveshnikov or Sveshnikov above By- oh, I say. Byfield. Oh, I didn't
1: Byfield. And I would have Byfield around.
0: We're working. C- with, I would have Byfield around Kako. We're working with pretty clear lanes here, and it's. Matthews is the top of all of them and I think that's held pretty true. Sparkzook says, love the new table and the YouTube videos or sorry, uh, Southern Wing finishes by saying, love your work on the pod. Here's to five more years and maybe me making out to another meetup one day. Yes, please. Sparkzook zook says love the new table in the youtube videos subscribe on youtube oh man we uh cleared a thousand uh spotify subscribers did i talk about that before nope
1: sweet so are we four digits on every platform now uh
0: almost instagram and facebook but it's no i don't count those because we don't use those really (laughs) no uh yeah if you guys want to know how to support the show click subscribe literally however you get your podcast we do capture those metrics spotify and itunes are huge leave us ratings and reviews on those oh man is it good for us um congrats on five years podcast has come so far i'm very happy for you guys only 21 more games to suffer through stay fresh rowan for coach and give me john scott the magic man 14 1343 says how do you guys come up with your draft rankings is it from watching players themselves or based on other rankings on media like craig button or bob mckenzie
1: i wish i could say it was entirely based on my viewings but uh honestly if i'm able to watch more than i'll say eight full games outside of like red wings games in a month it's a lot so we do watch all the prospects we're invested in um some guys will only see once other guys like lafreniere i've probably seen like six times this year already just to not that i need to form any further of an opinion it's just for fun now um and then couple that with i do factor in as many rankings i can find because i want to make sure what i'm seeing isn't completely out of there now that won't always tip the scales for me because if I see a guy and I'm like no this guy like I don't care what other people say I know what I'm seeing like I'm still to this point I've still been pretty bullish on Lucas Raymond whereas he's falling most people's I still have him at 3. Like I Stutzle's come up so now that there's an argument there to be made but I can't I'll be shocked if Raymond comes in lower than 4th on any ranking I do this year unless he just has a disastrous finish to the season. Um But yeah, it's, it's literally a factor of everything. I take my own opinion and my own eyes higher than anybody else's. But if I have a guy, let's say 15th and every other ranking has him seven, eight, six, four, seven okay i'm missing something and then i'll go back and re-watch to try and figure out what i'm missing
0: yeah we we do have a few different services and tools that we use as a podcast for player uh evaluation and like brad said anybody who's relevant to detroit and that's an expanded window this year because we saw what happened last year with more outsider we were lucky that we had a view on more outsider um because that was just like an interest piece that we did uh we do watch videos of them we do watch their condensed highlights we do um listen to and watch and read every breakdown uh looking at other lists is good like brad said for just seeing what we might be getting wrong and there is a substance to consensus for sure um that said uh this also reminds me of something else where i really do think that this is a situation where kind of what i was talking about with everett's comment where we're like we don't we didn't like allow ourselves to take some credit from time to time like we put work into this like we're not just talking about rankings and then making up our own like we actually put a lot of work into this like the notion of we're just like some you know meathead fans yelling into a mic i mean yes obviously but uh we're not doing this without substance like we're backing this up the same way like (laughs) people who are paid to do this do it obviously they're probably better than us but that and said, doing a
1: lot more of it than we are
0: <laughs> it doesn't make us uh un- like we're not technically professional while we do it but we are doing everything we can to bring you guys like the best analysis like it's it's genuine analysis um we just happen to try to bring an entertainment value to the podcast as well like we're not pure you know making fun of evan and and talking about this talking ken and mickey bobblehead thanks guys
1: yeah, the, the ideal day is if our Patreon or we get enough sponsorships one day to do this job full-time. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, then my approach to how I'm doing my rankings is going to change dramatically because I can probably have enough time and to ignore everybody else's rankings and just actually... Because right now, like uh, straight up, once you get past second-round prospects, I've probably had zero viewings of any of them unless they play on the same team as someone ranked in the first round because... Yeah. I do not have the time to track like tracking 60 prospects. It feels like too much. If I had to go a hundred and something deep. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Hart- I'm hoping by the time we're full time too, the Red Wings are like contending for the cup. So I don't even need to worry about that. that right. much. But you know, yeah.
0: ideally in a perfect world, it's, it's the Steve Dangle method. We started when they were bad. And now in however many still years, bad. <laughs> uh, Hartsey said you're Steve Eisenman. It's July 1st. Taylor Hall comes to you and says he wants to be a Red Wing. What contract do you sign him to? Eight years times however much twelve million. I don't care. I'm not as big. A, I love Taylor Hall, but I'm not as big a fan on him as uh, others. Uh, eight by eleven is what I would give him. Seven by eleven, I should say, because you can't do eight. Seven by nine for me. He will not take nine million.
1: He will not. If he says he wants to be a Red Wing, I uh, yeah, I don't think I'd go more than nine million on him.
0: Oh. especially given his age. Man. How old is he?
1: Late twenties. He was drafted in oh, 2000. he's twenty eight. I do
0: not want to be paying 35-year-old Taylor Hall $11 million. Let me, look, let me look at his hockey viz stuff because he's a phenomenal
1: player. He's a very, 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 very talented player that I think for the next three to four years is still going to be an
0: elite player in the league. But that will be about half of the contract. If Taylor Hall wants seven years, i give him seven by ten right now.
1: Yeah, uh, here's the thing. All his good years are going to be when the Red Wings are bad, which is worth factoring in. But he would accelerate you're no longer looking at three, Oh, no, years. he absolutely accelerates it. But do you think the Red Wings are one piece away from Do you think the Red Wings are two pieces away from being a contender? Do
0: I, you think the Red Wings are three pieces away from being a contender? I know you're right. And I hate logic right now because I just want something to be happy about. Eric says... "Too damn bad ryan hypothetical says we've won the draft lottery now it's draft day you're steve eisenman i like all these hypotheticals where we're steve eisenman the phone rings it's the montreal canadians they're due to pick sixth and have offered you one of two deals to choose from their whole 2020 draft for the 2021st overall pick i hate those deals and i'll never take those nope uh or montreal's 2020 2021 and 2022 first round picks no Uh, they're desperate to draft the generational French Canadian superstar to be their uh, superstar to be their franchise has been waiting for. Do you consider this? What might you counteroffer? What would it take for you to give up number one and drop back down to six as fate seems to have it? Happy five years.
1: The future first round picks are a problem because if Montreal gets Lafreniere, in theory, they're going to be a very good hockey team because Montreal is far less pieces away from being good than Detroit is. Um, You're talking, I'm not trading Lafreniere for mid or late first round picks. I don't give a shit how many of them you give to me um romanov i think the starting ask and i would probably command more because LaFrenier's a franchise player i want sixth overall i want nick suzuki i want alex romanov and i'm probably coming for another premium pick
0: and they won't minimum pay and they won't pay that for good no reason. of course not it's insane but it, you'd be insane to give up alexi lafreniere uh, we have some time for hashtag ask WWPs, and we do see these. So if you ever want to ask us a question, tag it that way. Al Robbins says, let's play the season over under goal differential game. Uh negative 125 and a half. Over under, Brad. Over. Wait, under as in, like worse than that? Over as in worse than that? Or over as in, they're gonna be negative like 130 something. So yeah, you're taking yeah, the under, I suppose. Yeah. Um or over. Yeah, I'm with you. It's gonna be worse than that. Anthony Polifron says, uh, would you be disappointed if we made no moves at the deadline? Uh,
1: no moves. Yeah, I don't expect anything substantial, though.
0: Drunk Uncle Mickey Redmond says, looks like the Wings have been scouting some Kings games. Do you think it's possible Eiserman makes a move for Toffoli to add a solid, productive depth piece? We're struggling big time in that department, among other areas.
1: Absolutely not, because Toffoli's contract expires this and Detroit's the
0: la- literally the last team in the league that should be taking on a rental. Uh, And Moose asked about the very high market being set, which we chatted about earlier. Speaking of Twitter and Patreon, we're going to be doing, it was supposed to be today, but uh, schedules got a little bit mixed up. Unfortunately, long weekends to do to do that. But we are going to be doing an all Q&A episode, Patreon exclusive episode of the Windwheel Wheel Podcast. That post is up on Patreon. So go leave your comment, your question there. And we will be doing a fun all Q&A episode. We'll probably get drunk for that, honestly. Um, also something, if you guys are a Patreon supporter uh, and you want a bumper sticker, there's also a post in there. Please comment so I can get one out to you. I want, if you like actually have a vehicle and you want to put, the bumper sticker on your vehicle let me know also if you're on twitter or you're not a patron and you're just a listener um we still appreciate you if you live in michigan or uh somewhere with lots of wings fans and you'd be willing to put a Wing wheel podcast sticker in your car send uh the wing wheel pod account a dm also guys like i mentioned uh like and or subscribe wherever you get your podcast leave ratings leave reviews spotify is huge itunes is huge just hitting subscribe um that those are other ways to support us that mean a lot you know five star reviews mean the world especially with the algorithm so um just some other things to put out there and then our our closing she tells you all of this so listen to her too She says it a lot more gracefully. We're going to wrap up this week's episode. We're going to be back at you on Thursday. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with us with this long weekend. Have a happy family day, a happy President's Day. We want to thank our patrons, our name level sponsors, Ryan's Favorite Bastard, uh, Arjun Shanker, Dead Panda Society, brand new name level sponsor, Bradley Smith, brand new name level sponsor, Andrew Book.
1: Fantastic name.
0: (laughs) I told him he was the best Brad that we know uh andrew he bohan is. scott martin kayla thompson mitchell shinkowski aaron taylor jacob turner matt mckay matthew m rice uh luke johnson mike reed ryan lewis langabeer clayton van dyken kaylin wood Hassam al Kassem, arjun shanker again god he always gets me to read it twice charlie elkins hannah lee sean levine connor Leighton, danny jr matthew keeler craig kibble rob thiel simon anderson John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Those are the people that make the winged wheel podcast happen. So thank you so, so very much. Um, and sorry we got one other question sometimes people send them in our messages and i want people to know that i didn't ignore them uh alan snyder says hey guys uh i like to bond with my son by listening to your podcast together uh he doesn't have a choice so he's five months old i'm sure you get plenty of questions about roster projections so i apologize in advance but this is how i console myself in times of despair it also gives me clarity on what we should do with fringe players like sveshnikov when you project out of two or three years with all the prospects and draft picks we have there just isn't room for him can you do me the favor of projecting a 2022 lineup including our 2021 one draft choice in that lineup. Let's hope it's ratty. Uh, let's do save that for a Patreon exclusive where we do future projections. Thank you, Alan. Thank you all new patrons and have a great day. We will see you Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the winged wheel podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon official podcast apparel and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at winged wheel pod. And of course the hosts at Brad Crisco at Ryan Hanna WWP and at Hockey Town Evan.